about sex work by sex workers for sex workers. I'm so utterly alone, Selena. So utterly alone. It has been over a month at this point since the quarantine began and my club shut down um, for however long this will go on and I'm living off of savings. And honestly, I'm a little hesitant to file for unemployment because my club is very shady and they don't keep us on any of the books. So I would have to file and then I would get rejected and then I would have to dispute it and claim that I was like a misclassified employee and then they would go digging into my club, which could fuck up my club. But in the meantime, I'm not making any money and I know that most of my stripper sisters and brothers are not making money either and they thems. So anyway, it's kind of hard to imagine when clubs will reopen. If they reopen this year, like, will it be, will we be able to work during the summertime? Who fucking knows? So at some point, I will probably have to capitulate and file for some kind of government assistance. And I don't even know what that will look like. Are rent strikes inevitable? What will May 1st look like? It's so hard to not be completely overwhelmed in this situation, but you know what? This podcast isn't about coronavirus or the effects of the pandemic. No, it's about sex workers being up to all kinds of history-making shit. So, without further ado... We begin every episode with a segment we call Historical Hose. And this week's historical hoe is La Paiva, also known as Esther Lockman. I got my info from an article in BBC um, called La Paiva, 19th Century Paris Celebrity po- Prostitute, a um, the Whores of Your Timeline. There's an article in Messiness Chic uh, titled The Last Palace of the Champs de Lycée, A Courtesan's Secret Alcazar. And then, of course, uh, Wikipedia, as always. So, Esther Lockman was born May 7th, 1819, big Taurus energy for everyone paying attention, in Moscow. Her father was a weaver, which speaks to me as someone who paid over $160,000 to learn to be a fiber artist for what that's worth. Her parents were Polish Jews, which even at that time was a reason for discrimination. At 17, she got married for the first time and gave birth through her very own vaginal canal to a whole-ass baby. But she wasn't cut out for the life of child-rearing. She dipped out and traveled to Europe, changed her name to Therese, as one does when you need to get away from your offspring as a liberated 17-year-old. She wound up in Paris, where she was determined to become the Kardashian equivalent of her time. She wanted to be the baddest, the richest, the bangingest of all the ballers, uh, which all us good hoes aspire to do, honestly. Um, But she had come from poverty in Russia, so she knew she would have to fuck her way to the top. 
she crashed at a cheap hotel with other sex workers where she partied and turned tricks and saved her money by not eating, as we do, and put all of her savings into curating the jewels and wardrobe necessary to look the part of a noblewoman so that she could ensnare some poor Mark into footing the bill for her ticket into the high life. She started an affair with Henri Hers, a moderate wealthy pianist, first. He put her up in his apartment and decorated her in jewels, as he should have. But Therese had standards and very expensive taste. Her spending habits created a strain on the Hers financial situation, so Henri went to America to make more money. And his family began to conspire to find ways to kick Therese out of the house. So Therese was kind of like over it. She was pawning off her jewels. She wasn't especially healthy at that moment. And instead of failing, she decided to make a bold, abrupt move to London, where she was immediately successful. She continued living her rich bitch life going to socialite events, banging rich guys, living the life at places called Royal Yada Yada or the Imperial blah de blah Very fancy. It was one of those... It was at one of those bougie hangouts that she seduced Portuguese Marquis Albino Francesco Araju Gipaiva. They married, and Albino gave Therese the second greatest gift she would ever receive, that being a title. Meanwhile, the 1848 French Revolution upended uh, France and created the perfect situation for Therese to return to her new, or return to France with her new title. Um, so there were like a number of revolutions going on. This was one of the revolution. I think it's like the February Revolution, the January Revolution. It was a month and then a revolution. So. Clearly, I'm very knowledgeable. Anyway, she was now Madame Gipaiva. Gipaiva. Fucking finally. And the day after her marriage, she divorced that guy. Poor Albino. She wrote him a very touching parting letter. You have obtained the object of your desire and have succeeded in making me your wife, she wrote. I, on the other hand, have acquired your name. And we can cry quits. I have acted my part honestly, without disguise, and the position I aspired to I have gained. But as for you, Mons de Paiva, you are saddled with a wife of foulest repute, whom you can introduce to no society, for no one will receive her. Let us part. Go back to your country. I have your name, and I will stay where I am. Period. So to summarize, she was like, you can go back to Portugal, and I'm going to stay here and remain a whore. Oh, life. Right. Am I right? Oh, it's cooler than being cool. Ice fucking cold. But the story sadly didn't end there. Albino returned to Portugal and committed suicide. Um, belated trigger warning for that. Of course, it's hard to tell if any of this info made it back to Therese because from her actions, she seemed entirely undeterred by this bit of tragedy. She had a golden opportunity to hoe to her fullest ability now. She was a courtesan with a title, and she was successfully fucking her way to the top, as I mentioned earlier. 
Rumor has it, she once seduced a man by offering him her body for the length of time it took to burn 10,000 francs in the fireplace. You know what? That's pretty fire. <laughs> oh, God. My puns. Call me if you want a dad. I'm a dad. Anyway. Finally, she hooked her whale. Count Guido Georges Friedrich Hermann Heinrich Aldebrecht Kant Henkel von Donnersmark. Or Count Guido Henkel von Donnersmark for short. Uh, he was one of the wealthiest men in Europe. She was his princess, and he spoiled her accordingly. He bought her a private hotel on the Champs-Élysées. Uh, rumor has it that she wanted a place on the Avenue de Champs-Élysées because somebody, uh, like one of her tricks, had thrown her out of a carriage onto the street there. And she was like, I'm going to own the biggest, best, fanciest fucking place on this street right here. And so then she did. Named Hotel de la Paiva, or G. La Paiva, I don't know. Uh, no expense was spared, and the French were obviously too snooty for her expensive tastes, as they tend to be. A mural with her likeness, depicted as a goddess chasing away the knight, decorated the ceiling in the receiving room. The staircase and her personal tub were made of solid yellow onyx. Apparently... She bathed in milk, champagne, or lime blossom uh, exclusively. And there were like three different faucets for those three things. And apparently the tub does have three different faucets, but I, I don't know if this is true. But you know what? I'm going to believe it. I'm going to believe it. I can all believe in something in these trying times. Anyway, all of this still exists as a standing hotel for the, it's, I think it's called like the Travelers Club Hotel. Uh, in Paris, if you're ever interested in blowing a lot of money to stay in Paris in a hotel where you can smoke inside the building, which honestly is not that appealing to me. But, you know, history and um, exploring. Uh, you should do like a hoe trip, honestly, like a, a historical hoe trip. Add it to the list, guys. Add it to the list. Anyway, so she hosted lavish parties to show off her wealth. Because, I mean, once you make it to the top, you have to flaunt it, clearly. Uh, I mean, she went from Russian poverty to living one of the most opulent realities of that time. And sure, she had a lot of haters. But, as that wife-beater Chris Brown once said, I don't see how you can hate from outside the club. You can't even get in. Ha ha ha! Lego! Plus, everyone wants to hate on a successful hoe. There's nothing worse to people who live boring lives and follow all the rules than a successful hoe hoeing her way to the top. Anyway, the political tide began to change once again, turning against them. So a combination of xenophobia, anti-Semitism, and Germanophobia caused by the Franco-Prussian War led the couple to migrate to Poland, where they lived together in a giant mansion until 1894 when Therese passed away. Her widower was utterly destroyed by her passing, so much so that he refused to bury her. Instead, he embalmed her corpse in alcohol and stored her in his attic for months, visiting her to cry. Uh, he even remarried and didn't tell his new wife about the corpse in the attic. I like to think of it as a gentle lie. Except that one day, the wife discovered the body and... Uh, 
That's kind of hard to explain. And that is the incredible life of Therese Lepaiva, this week's historical hoe. How many different places have you worked at? Probably like six different places. Wow. Yeah, just like a handful. It wasn't that many. And um, part of it was just like hopping around to find what club is a good fit for me Mm -hmm. as a person and bodily, like where I fit in the best. I mean, I think... Which is a big thing. Yeah, it's kind of like how you're saying with the big boobs upstairs. It's like, it's like dope. But, you know, if the clientele is all coming there to find big boobs, like big fake boobs or big real boobs, and you're not that person, then you're just not going to get that kind of patronage. Yeah. They're atta- like they're like attracting the wrong customer for you. Yeah. You have to get really logical as a stripper because there's so much that you could potentially take personally. You just can't afford to let get to you. And it, I feel like it's made me such a stronger, more like self-loving and secure person for oh, that yeah. reason. Because you just like you have no choice but to support yourself like in such a devoted, intense way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then do you find guys who like things about your body you never really acknowledged or really liked before? I I love being worshipped, and I yeah, and okay. it's just so great when they worship me for being perfect. Like that's. <laughs> <laughs> the feedback and like if they're in love with me not every guy thinks that I'm perfect but I've definitely I definitely experience it often enough that it has affected me deeply because sorry I put my hand yeah you're fine Um, fine. not everyone gets told that and it it makes it it just makes a big difference I, I can tell in myself totally I mean how has dancing affected your relationship with your body and sense of attractiveness and also kind of like your relationship with other women's bodies it's but done nothing but elevate it I am a competitive person but I do feel like I have a healthy amount of competitive nature and that not looking to like trample on anyone and destroy anyone I just want to be pushed to be my best and seeing what other women can do definitely motivates me I have very high expectations of myself, probably too high and probably unrealistic because I like I want to be perfect. So just yeah, I enjoy yeah, hearing yeah. it so much. Yeah, <laughs> it validates the reality I will never actually experience. But I definitely like I don't get jealous of other women, I would say. So I, I do feel like, yeah, it's been nothing but positive. I think it is kind of like an industry where you have to like let go of a lot of the jealousy for other women and that you just because especially working in big cities like this there are like the most gorgeous fucking women yeah (laughs) and you're like working alongside them and you have to be like oh like I'm with them yeah it's shocking (laughs) and it's hard to see yourself on the same in the same way that you see other people almost impossible but that's definitely like you have to you have to check yourself a lot and you have to hold yourself accountable to love yourself in a very determined way yeah I think so to be very like disciplined about loving yourself disciplined about loving yourself and also disciplined about internalizing your self-worth instead of like just accepting external affirmations of it yeah because with as many affirmations as you get you get just as many just 
really bad comments or or um, dismissals or rejections. Yeah, I get rejected so often. Or have there was one night where I got rejected probably seventy five times. I didn't get a single dance. I just yeah. it was just no <laughs> after no the entire night, and then I, was, and I went home. And it's crazy. It's like, you know, it's like gorgeous, gorgeous people. Like you're a gorgeous girl. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with anything like that. Oh, sorry. I didn't know you were. Wait, I said, yeah, but I meant thank you. But you you are. You are. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) But yeah, it's like, you know, it's like, you know, you we are beautiful women and we get a lot of rejections and. If you have a night full of rejections, it's not even a measure of how hot you are that night or anything. It could be any number of factors. It could be that maybe the group of guys that came in are not your type. It could be that people are sensing like something like maybe you're sad or your mood is a little off. Yeah. It could just not be your night. <laughs> yeah. I've had to get really serious about how often I go. Because, again, high expectations. I want to pressure myself to do the most, to be the best, to do everything I possibly can. But I can't. I have a lot of limitations. And so not feeling great all the time is one of them. And just knowing when to, like, sacrifice the opportunity to make money for just, like, having a peaceful night and deciding that I don't feel good enough emotionally to work. Yeah. That's so important is just knowing that you can take a day off and that that's like one of the biggest draws to the industry is that you can take time off. Yeah. Like you can care for your health. And if you have a day where you go in and you suddenly just are not feeling it, like you don't have to feel it. Yeah. Are you able to like call out pretty easily? Like say you're on the schedule for one day and you're like, I just can't today. Can you just be like, hey, I'm not coming in. Like give them a ring. Yeah, because there's no schedule. We don't have shifts. So there there's so many women going to the club pretty much every night that it just, it doesn't matter. And they have, the uh, the other place that I danced at was way more strict about it. It was way smaller and there were a lot less girls. He was also very manipulative and controlling. So that was another aspect of it. But with this place, it, it doesn't matter because there's just so many women. How many women work at your club on a given night? That's a good question. I would say over 100. Are you or kidding 100, me? Maybe about 100, maybe less than 100. Holy shit. I would like to know that my perception for numbers is just awful. <laughs> but that I feel like that's like not a crazy floors. number. What? Above floors. No, just the bottom floor. It's the bottom floor. And then the, so the nice. top floor is smaller. So that's so funny. Like my club is... I've, okay, so it's really funny. Yesterday, um, my guests that I talked to, um, they were telling me that they work at a club where at most there's ever eight dancers. And then my club, somewhere in the middle between the two of y'all's, mine is like, we top out around 40 dancers. So to imagine dancing with like 100 dancers, like that's just a whole different vibe. Yeah. How many clients are there uh, typically? There's always way more women than men. Really? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it does it. And now I'm like, wow, if you didn't get a yes in a night, like I would not be surprised if that ratio is like that. Yeah. But that's like 
what I was saying about confidence, like it has to be on a whole other level. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah. it doesn't, I, I've also become a cockier person because it's hard to, <laughs> there are certain aspects of myself as a stripper that I wish I could have access more to my day-to-day life and other aspects of being a stripper that I would like to not have like the cockiness because <laughs> so, it definitely throws people off sometimes when I make like just really bold statements that are only appropriate in that environment. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I mean, I totally feel that like there's a lot of confidence that I have developed dancing and with handling people and men and negotiating deals that I think would be great civvy knowledge and tools that mm-hmm. I just cannot somehow apply to my civilian life. It's true. The negotiating skills are just on another level. But then if you're sitting like in a room full of other professionals that are not professional strippers, but something else, it's whole other. Yeah. I mean, game. it's just like they don't take your experience with the same gravity as, you know, vanilla jobs. It's it's a u- unique and really a special experience to get to be such a boss. <laughs> Not like so like like we're all yeah like, yeah like are we're are literally our own bosses, but you have to be a boss personality wise. Yeah, definitely, you have to be the boss. That's fun. <laughs> you have to treat. I mean, it's also like in in clubs, like you know, you're you're entertaining and winning over people who are leaders in their different occupations and stuff yeah. like that and talking to people who are you know in very respected careers like doctors and lawyers and engineers and blah 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 yeah I and like friend, you have oh, to like be the boss <laughs> yeah I have a friend who is telling me that whenever she has time with clients um she picks their brain about what they do and she gets, like, financial, um, I don't know what the phrase would be. She gets lessons in finances for free. She's telling oh, me yeah. that, you know, the advice that they're giving to her for free while she sits in their lap is what they would charge hundreds and hundreds of dollars for yeah, totally. on their own time. And I'm starting my own floral business, getting my oh, wow, florals. congratulations. <laughs> Let me know if you need a bouquet of flowers. Um <laughs> And so she was mentioning that just like you need that you have this untapped opportunity of like just the wealth of knowledge that they have as professionals in their own right that you can access. It's like you get to consult. Yeah, it's free game. Oh, they do? Not a lot of the time they don't. A lot of the time. No, I get a lot of guys who don't want to talk about what they do. I feel like it strokes their ego to not talk about it because it makes them feel important. Mm. Like, oh, I can't talk about what I do. I get that a lot. And they just want me to talk about myself. Maybe they feel small at work. Maybe. I mean, it's also like the escape, too. It's like they want to be off whenever they're off. Yeah. They want to be in my fantasy world, not their reality. They're like, cool, I'm done with work. Why don't we send somebody else to work for me? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I have this chiropractor guy who comes to the club and will help everybody with their spinal alignment and give us all, like, long massages. Like, you can sit on him for an indeterminate amount of time, like 30 minutes, an hour. That's amazing. He will massage away. That's awesome. Yeah. It's really nice to, like, there was one day that I just kept, 
I kept putting off going to a massage therapist for so long just because it's hard to prioritize my own bodily health sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so then he showed up and he was like giving massages and I just fully indulged in it. Like it was, I realized like, wow, like I'm in a lot of pain and this is exactly what I need to do. And yeah. I don't have to pay him for it. <laughs> yeah, there's a bouncer at my club that's like that. You can ask him for a massage and he's very talented. <laughs> do you have a routine before you go to work? Oh, yeah. Um, so I take the day to just kind of rest typically. I mean, I think it's a little bit different now that um, I'm doing so many things. So like sometimes I'll be like finishing a task, like or I'll run errands all day or I'll hang out with friends or something. But it used to be that I would just stay inside all day so that I don't have to interact with too many people because mm -hmm. I get emotionally exhausted. Um, and I just, I'm an, I'm an introvert, so I need to just in silence if I'm going to be like fully extroverted for money and then um I would not eat that much it's like kind of a day of like only liquid foods type thing mm. like yogurt smoothie maybe a salad or something if I need like something to chew on and just like resting my body and then um I wear hair so I have like a whole routine of like putting on my hair like clip in ponytails or doing like crochet in styles or things like that. Um, and then makeup and yeah. And then um, I like listen to a podcast on the way or, or another thing that I do is like to focus myself. I'm like, if I'm feeling depressed, I will kind of think about what I'm excited about so that I bring that energy into my interactions. So I like, I'm like, okay, so like, what's something tomorrow that I'm looking forward to? And maybe it's simple. It's like, I'm going to have brunch tomorrow. <laughs> or maybe it's like, I'm excited for this interview tomorrow. I'm excited to post the podcast. I'm excited to write the story. I'm excited to spend time with my sister. I don't know. So I focus on my energy on that positive thing, and then I can bring that kind of ebullience into my interactions with customers because they really feel that energy. Yeah, definitely. So it's kind of it's kind of expensive. <laughs> it should be. I think so. It is definitely emotionally exhausting. Do you have like a post work kind of self care routine? Smoke a blunt. Ah, uh, yeah. The most important part <laughs> of the post experience. Um, <sighs> Uh, just lie in my bed naked and smoke a blunt. I love That's it. That's the best for like 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> it, ideally. I don't I don't usually have the option of having the day free before I work right now. Be yeah, because you're in school. Yeah. I like when I've had experiences where like my schedule changes week to week. So oh, there are yeah. some days where I have a day free before and then I just go to work that night. And sometimes I have like things to do the next morning after like so it, it changes mm -hmm. but I try to schedule it so that I have lots of time after work to do absolutely nothing and talk to no one yeah I mean I think there's also just like that physical toll that yeah. it takes definitely like especially dancing because it's like it's very high impact and a lot of moving and also heels yeah I actually just got real stripper heels this weekend oh my god you didn't have them before no I was using just heels 
what? And I was fucking up. Girl. <laughs> so tomorrow. It's so much better for your body. So I didn't. My friend who works at the club who. He's not a bouncer. He just works there. I don't know what he does. He just works there. He helps out. <laughs> He's there. But he told me that last time. Hand. Yeah. He told me that last time I went in. And I don't know why it took me those two years and that yeah. one comment to get heels. But I, I have enough cash at home that I was just like, okay, I'm, I'm getting heels now. Oh, my God. And so this week will be my first time dancing in real stripper heels. So I'm very excited to see if it makes a difference. That's so funny. I'm sure it will. So pleasers are made specifically for dancing. So it's like the way that it's balanced is like it distributes the pressure on your feet more evenly instead of just putting it all on the ball of your foot and your toes. So it's like a more even step. And it's kind of more like walking in platforms, like flat platforms, and it is in walking like in a stiletto. But it has that effect. And also there's insoles, and it's like just, it's just built for being like durable mm-hmm. and and also like the sticky um, vinyl and other stuff friction. is made for friction for the pole and stuff like that. It protects your foot. It's just like there's so many That's levels so of why it, it is yeah, how it is. Fantastic. Yeah, and it was, I know, and it was like designed by the person who did like the design work for Sex in the City. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, little... They came up with... I know, I need to do like ah, a little so like facts. history of pleasers, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or like, you know how there's... And I follow these art pages on Instagram or like comic pages like on this day, this comic book character was born. You should do oh, that yeah. with like the stripper sure. version, like history facts about strippers and burlesque dancers. Oh, that would be so fun. Yeah. Another thing. Here's more work for you to do. (laughs) Selena, would you like more work? (laughs) Why, yes, I would like to have some more. (laughs) How do you typically approach customers? Very warm. Sometimes handsy, sometimes not. (laughs) Do you, like, sit on them? Do you, like, kneel or squat beside them? Very flirtatious. Yeah, so all those things. But it it depends on the guy and how drunk I am. (laughs) Yeah. Are you normally, like, a little bit, like, socially lubricated with alcohol when you're on the job? Yes. Yes. I think that that can be easier. Have you ever worked sober? Yes. Is it, like, how do you compare? Mm. Well, I guess I would only not drink if I felt as good as I do when I'm inebriated. <laughs> Which is um, happens, I guess, sparing. I don't know. I'm. I have a lot of joy in my sober life, but I just enjoy drinking there because I have anxiety. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm struggling to. I guess there's there's probably many answers to this question. I'm struggling to find the most simple and accurate one, but yeah. I'm going to stop talking. (laughs) No, you're fine. And always continue talking. Um, I mean, I think that it it can be really helpful to have that barrier and the kind of like just mental uh, like upswing that alcohol brings. Yeah. Like the liquid confidence, as people say. Yeah. I have to be careful, though, because I'm definitely sluttier when... I'm drunk, <laughs> the drunker I get. Yeah. 
have so like you're like you were talking about earlier in the well I guess it'll probably be the previous episode <laughs> you were talking about how you had a moment where um, a customer fell in love with you and he wanted to be a regular but he had his partner and stuff um, but and you kind of felt like you could have feelings for him but you know you were keeping it very professional have you had other experiences of kind of like falling for a customer? Yes. I've definitely had romantic connections with customers. He was the most memorable memorable one because it was the one that almost actually that I would that I would actually could conceive it bleeding over into my personal life. Um but he was he couldn't afford me was the other I reason. Know. <laughs> it's yeah. He didn't have money. He didn't go to strip clubs. He was there with friends. Oh. And he really couldn't afford me. So wait, did he... But he bought dances with you the first time? He did. And then... So we were dancing. We started making out. He, we stopped dancing because he freaked out. And then I was like, okay, do you want to sit down and talk? And then we were just like sitting for a long time. But I was like, you still need to pay me for my time. He only had $200, and that was the number that I offered. Like, I came up with that number, and he was like, that's actually the exact amount of money that I have. Um, well, I'm glad he wasn't coming in totally broke. Yeah. No, he was, like, he was going to get dances. He was not expecting all of that to happen. He was just going to get a couple dances with a girl that he didn't care about, not think about it at all, and that's not how it went at all. No. 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 Oh, it's really, like, it's wild whenever you like a customer. And then the other thing is, like, and, you, like, you're totally right. It's, like, you know, a lot, maybe the person that you like can't afford your time. Yeah, I also just am not emotionally available to cater to these men outside of the strip <laughs> club. That is the biggest reason. Yeah. I don't have regulars because I don't want to talk to them. It's just, like, additional unpaid time yeah. that you dedicate to sustaining relationships like texting is ex it's just like so extra taking a cute selfie is is just like it's a lot of setup you need the right lighting yeah you need the right situation you have to have some makeup on or have your body right like yeah. you can't just have like gorged yourself on a whole pizza exactly <laughs> Unless they're into that. Unless they're into that. That's totally <laughs> true. Haven't found that guy yet either. <laughs> Have you had any like fetish clients come in? Yes. I had one guy who liked being humiliated. That was my first time doing that. So that what was kind of humiliation? He just wanted to be put down. Like he wanted me to insult him and belittle him. Make like, him feel small. Oh, so just like that he was inadequate and it, it wasn't like a small penis humiliation type thing? Um, I think that... That was a part of it. He he just wanted... I just remember him wanting to be put down verbally. Oh. Yeah. That's... I mean, it's always fun whenever, like, fetish people come in. They're, like, kind of a treat because it's, like... You know, the typical thing is, like, you get a guy, you talk, you dance, you ask for the tip, blah, blah, blah. But whenever it's, like, something special, like, I need to suck on the entirety of your foot... <laughs> Oh, I would, if there's a guy, <laughs> yeah, I love, I was about to say that I love the foot fetish guys because yeah. I always get a foot massage. It's oh, so great. Yeah. 
Yeah, although sometimes it's wild. Like, I remember this old black guy had an intense foot fetish. <laughs> and um, he put my whole foot in his mouth. Wow. And just was, like, really intense about it. Wow. And I was, like, very surprised with his vigor. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was trying to... He was trying to eat me from the feet up. Wow. What other fetish experiences have you had? Oh, God. Um, So I talked about one about uh, twisting a guy's man titties and making fun of his baby dick. And then um, another one that I had was a guy who was just wanted me to overpower him. He was really into, like, muscle worship, and I'm, like, pretty muscular and generally strong, and he just, like, knew that, and he liked my dominance, and he wanted me to, like, wrestle his hands apart and stuff or, like, pin him down. And, like, um, he also wanted me to, like, mush his balls and stuff, so I got to, like, smash his balls and um, and, uh, and choke him and whatnot. Were you nervous about really damaging his penis? Not at all. Okay. <laughs> I feel like I would be. I mean, sometimes. Like, I'd be nervous. They're so fragile. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like. It's weird. People say, you don't have the balls. Like, they're so fragile. They, they are. So like, tender. They're very tender. And so it's a treat whenever I get to smush them. I mean, he was like, he was very kind. He's a sweet guy. Like, super dope. Nice, office type married guy. His wife doesn't really know about his fetishes and he doesn't intend to like indulge them with her and all, mm-hmm. but he like wants an outlet for what he wants. Yeah. So he was super kind, super respectful. Like I love whenever he happens into the club. But um yeah, I mean I I'm I'm careful. Like I'm not just like, you know, like step on it over, like really jump on his nuts. Like <laughs> it's more like I'll I'll like apply pressure and then I'll ease off. And I'll go for more pressure and see if it's okay. Like, I'll check in with him intermittently. Like, and if I'm choking him, I'll, like, choke him for, like, a couple of seconds. And then I'll, like, ease off. And then I'll, like, go back in again and be, like... And then if he needs to, like, he'll, like, tap out if he needs to. So Okay. He hasn't passed out on me. <laughs> uh, and one guy has passed out on me. What did you do? <laughs> I, I, like, freaked out a little bit. I was like, don't you fucking fuck with me. Like, <laughs> wake the fuck up right now. <laughs> That's awesome. And then it was like, he was really passed out. And I was like, oh, like, shit, are you okay? <laughs> he, was, he was really nice about it, though. He was just like, man, that was weird. Like, it was choking. like a... Huh? It was from choking. Yeah, it was from choking. Oh, shit. He didn't know. He knew. I mean, he was... He literally grabbed my wrist and pulled them to like pulled my hand onto his neck and like pushed it into his neck so that he couldn't breathe like that. And so like, it was what he wanted. Right, right. He like set it all up. I hadn't like initiated the choking. Oh no, I didn't even know you were choking. I mean, he didn't know his limit. Oh no, and it was funny because it wasn't for that long. It was just like, it was just a couple of seconds. It was like really short because I was like doing it and then easing off, like taking like a minute and then doing it again and easing off because you know, like I'm, careful about breath play mm-hmm. um but yeah I mean I guess I just I just uh impeded his arteries for a little bit too long <laughs> are there a lot of murder cases about um what's the term like wrongful death with the it's like play. the the accidental ne- 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 negligence negligence distributors get there's like wrongful death type things yeah, or like manslaughter. manslaughter okay I mean, 
Just like accidental yeah. stuff, like yeah. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's like a million one CSI like episodes about Definitely. like he went to the dungeon yeah. and never came back. Definitely, <laughs> he died inside of a plastic bag. He was saran wrapped in in, in women's clothing. Semen everywhere. Semen everywhere. <laughs> he was covered in his own shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's just it's very sensational, but uh, I mean death happens in the club. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's just crazy to think that, you know, like you live your life and then all of a sudden you die at the club, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just, just talking to a couple guests about um, how one of the regulars at the club died right outside of the club. He like just got hit by a car. Oh my God. Yeah. It was like, uh, you know. What a life. <laughs> <laughs> um, so outside of the club, you're a student. Yes. What, what do you study? I study horticulture. It's a study of plants. The oh. Both the, the art of plants in general and maintaining them, but then also the science part, which is the reason why I'm explaining this is because people confuse horticulture and botany. Horticulture being... Um, the non-scientific aspect of working and studying plants and botanical is the scientific language. I mean, I'm really glad that you specified for everybody. <laughs> yes. It's like cool that it, I mean, I think I associate people who have a green thumb with being quite nurturing. Yeah. I also, my background is in childcare. Oh, nice. so like at one point I was volunteering for this horticulture, nonprofit, and then I was babysitting and then I was going to the club after that, like in the same day. And it was all the same type of work in different forms. It was so funny. <laughs> I love that. Are you yeah. out? To some, I'm like casually out. Like I don't talk about, I'm not so candid about it. My parents don't know. Okay. Okay. That's a good bar. My parents don't know. My parents don't know. Do you have they, siblings? Yes. I have a younger brother and he knows. And But my family knows that I'm into pole dancing. So that's how I've broken that to them and kind of eased them into it is like just like that kind of lifestyle is that there's a pole in my apartment because co- coincidentally my roommate is a dancer as well. So <laughs> it's her pole. But coincidentally. I have this free pole in my apartment. Um, so like, you know, I had to explain that. And again, honesty is a big thing to me. So I don't feel safe being completely candid about it to them, but I want to be as honest, you know, kind of meet them somewhere. And that's where I found it is that I take, I do take pole dancing classes. And so that's what I do. And I'm interested in burlesque, (laughs) but to like, to my peers, I'm open. It's really just my family that's, like my older family um, and most other people in like my other professional fields. I have told people who I work with that I'm a stripper. Most of my classmates know that I dance. I have a couple coworkers that know that I dance. Um, I tell everyone that I date that I dance. Yeah. Is it? That was like, a really long answer. No, that's fine. That's fine. I mean, I think it's like, because it is such a case-by-case case basis yeah. about who you feel comfortable coming yeah. out to. Um, are your parents, like, pretty traditional? 
In some ways. Is, is he, or do you come from a Jewish family? Yes. Okay, yeah. So. Yeah, my family is entirely Jewish. We're Reform Ashkenazi Jews. Um, hey, Ashkenazi. <laughs> is, are you I've, also? I've got like the tiniest Ashkenazi in me. Nice. 23 in me. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and my dad... Like I, he, I, he's pretty conservative, like personality wise. He's a lot more innocent than I am. That's the struggle. Um, <laughs> my mom, my mom is like the cooler one, but she also told me one time we were on the phone and she was like, you know, like I'll support whatever you're doing unless you're selling your body. And I was, <sighs> and I was going to work that night and then literally right after she was like, so what are you doing? And I was like, just speechless. Just, I, I was like, yeah, now I have to lie. Yeah. I don't want oh, to, God. but you give me no choice. <laughs> That's so unfortunate. It I mean, is. what, like if you could have a magical wand and tap the situation and have parents respond in a way that's like, loving and nurturing, like, how would that conversation go? I could have that. I don't have a good relationship with my mom, so I'll start there and say that I don't consider to her her to be a very loving and nurturing person. She's great, but she's not, like, femi- divine, feminine goddess mother. Like, that's not her yeah. at all. It's not... The energy that I come from or grew up with at all. Um, So, but it's definitely something that I'm in, I'm in therapy. I know I've listened to your podcast on mental health. So I I also want to be candid about the fact that I'm a huge supporter of therapy and it's something that I'm working through now. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, it's also just like an endless process. Yeah. (laughs) But that's like something that I'm trying to accept now is that what I want ideally is probably never going to happen so I'm in the grieving and accepting part of that um I do like she does have the capacity to have intelligent conversations so I hope to one day be in a place to just be able to speak casually about it but what I've noticed with my parents and this is probably with a lot of other parents is that they need other people being involved to hold them accountable to be sane and logical and that like they demand and expect honesty, but one on one, if I'm going to talk to them, I don't feel safe, like by their response, to do so. But like, if there's other people around, or like the information is just out, which is why I'm being honest in this podcast now and taking the risk because it's like that applies the pressure. It's out there. Other people are accepting it now. What are you gonna do? Mm-hmm. But it, it's one-on-one. It's There's no one else to hold them accountable. And you can't be your smart, eloquent self sometimes or, like, think straight around your family. It's harder to do that. So it's hard for me to get my point across and be smart and intelligent in the way that I could when I feel more comfortable. I mean, it's so easy to kind of regress into those old roles from yeah. childhood and those dynamics because it's really been drilled into you and that's— you know, your relationship with them. As an adult, your relationship looks totally different. And it's like, for us, we're kind of fresh adults. Yeah. It's like 18 years prior to this moment was, you know, everything decided by them and they were the heads of everything. Yeah. 
I think I think it's really is interesting how you're bringing up that it's so important that they have this kind of external reflective accountability mm-hmm. for how they react and and the way that they manage their own feelings and their reactions so yeah. it doesn't just become a burden to you. Something that really gives me strength is that my Oma, my great grandmother, was a showgirl. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And she so like she like ran away from home when she was 16 to go dance in Prague. Like oh her my gosh. like her mom received a cable in Germany and she like got on the train and dragged her back. And like she was a rebel, she was a free spirit, and I connect with her on a spiritual level very deeply. And so having that in my family. Um, and in my family history is really important to me. Like my grandfather, he, you know, when my grandmother was working, when they came to America, they came during World War II, the beginning of the Holocaust. Um, And so she had to keep my grandfather like safe and with her. And so while she was working, he would be like in the the back room helping strippers sew on their sequins for their costumes. I fucking got it. Yeah. So so precious. Yeah. It's it's a precious memory that I have of something I didn't experience. But again, storytelling, it's very important. So in your jeans a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I have but I'll show you photos after. I think you would Uh, appreciate them. They're beautiful. Oh my God. That's so sweet. But that's like when I do have an opportunity or like it's just the timing is right for me to be completely open about it. That's something that I keep in mind is like preparing for criticism. Criticism is that it is in my blood yeah. to be this free spirited person and to be a sexual person, to have sexuality yeah. and to not want to repress it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's it's so great. phrase like sell your body. Like as soon as you said that, I thought <clears throat> about how wrong that is. Yeah. It's like a weird societal thing that we hear we repeat yeah and like many people sell their bodies in different manual ways yeah nine to five (laughs) i i sell my body by doing like a lot of manual work and injuring my back and continuing Mm -hmm. to work through it and so like what are we really judging here yeah and we're looking at it wrong so that whole holding them or asking society to hold them accountable i think it's really wise and beautiful i never thought about that thank you it has what it's what I've relied on. It's like how I've gotten through. It's how I got through my home life. Because if your parents are so stressed out that they can't think straight, then you need other sane adults around you to keep your parents in line. Because they can't. They don't respect you enough as a person to yeah. allow them to do to you to do for you to do it, even if you know, and even if you're right, and even if you are intelligent enough to express it. Even if they acknowledge that you're intelligent and they know that you know and they know that you're maybe the brightest kid, you know? Like, they're still not going to yeah. respect you when it comes down to it whenever they're stressed and in that situation. And yeah. That's how it is. Yeah. Well, time for some rapid-fire questions. Okay. All right. What's your favorite kind of pleaser? So, the shoes, right? Yeah. Okay, the ones that I got, which I'm going to say they're my favorite because <laughs> the ones I chose, my first ones, are the clear ones, but they have rhinestones on them, so they're okay. sparkly. Yeah. Cute. Yes. Um, I guess you're not a pole dancer yet. Not yet. But what's the question? <laughs> I was like, are you a pole dancer or a floor work gal? Both. I want to be versatile as fuck. Hell yeah. How often do you wash your stripper clothes? 
it depends on if I, so I'm like kind of sloppy. So like, if I, <laughs> you know, I get, I'm prone to stains. <laughs> Obviously my underwear gets washed after one use. And um, unless someone with a fetish had a special request, but that has never yeah. happened before. But I'm flexible. I'm waiting for it to happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess that with the outfits, every couple weeks. Okay, so that's gotcha. when I do laundry. Um, do you have a work wife? Yes. But again, I'm inconsistent and so are they. Okay. Well, who's your work wife? She... Stripper name. She uses her real name because, oh. yeah, her... This is her, wild. Per, her performance name is what she goes by on the daily. Okay. So her real name is less, far less known than her performance name. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Well, you have a stripper wife. What's the most money you've ever made in a night? I think thirteen hundred. Nice. Somewhere between eleven hundred and thirteen hundred. Yeah. Hypothetically, if you had a daughter or son who wanted to be a stripper, would you support their decision? Absolutely. I think the thing that I would struggle with the most is not putting my experience on them and like removing myself, like creating distance, being supportive, but not like trying to make it my own thing. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Normally, I don't advertise real things, but this time I wanted to actually ask y'all to do a little something for me. I've started writing erotica, full disclosure, and would love to share it with you, but in return, I'd love for y'all to send me some of the smut you've written. And also, you could definitely write me some. We all have nothing but time right now. And I'm sure y'all are all jerking off so much. It could be good, bad, kooky, whatever vibe you're feeling. Send it to me as a Google Doc link at know at gmail.com. I'll put that in the bio in case you want me to spell it out for you. But it's, it's spelled the way that this is spelled, which is to say tricky and hukes in the nukes for, <laughs> for everybody who reads it as it's spelled. Hukes in the nukes. So anyway, I'm collecting them for a quarantine smut scene. Um, I mean, let's face it, we're all fucking jerking the lurking, flicking them beans more than normal because it's one of the few things that feel good at this moment. And I would love to collect it all and make it into something dope we can all share and jerk off to. So here's a taste of one of mine. Peter's eyes widened as his eyebrows drew together and his lips pursed in a sharp inhale. His hips bucked forward dipping deeper into Iz's mouth. His hand ran through her hair. Iz paused with her tongue out, gently lapping at the head of his cock to look at Peter. His eyes were wild, wide open and begging. He tenderly gathered her hair with one hand and held it out of the way. Iz smiled internally. It was an intimate gesture. Was this something more? She took her time, feeling the shaft in her mouth, lapping at his balls, drawing circles with her tongue around the head. Stop! Peter pulled away and stood up, tugging at his balls, trying to hold back from coming. Iz smirked as he squirmed. Are you sure? Iz teased. Get on all fours. Peter directed. Iz acquiesced and got on her hands and knees. Peter laid a hand on her upper back. Now lower. Iz sensed Peter kneeling behind her. She shut her eyes, anticipating the cessation of his head butting through her lips. 
his shaft filling her. Peter placed his hands on her haunches and spread her open. She wanted him. She was ready. But instead of a stiff cock inside of her, a shock rippled through her as Peter's tongue poked into her ass. Iz was paralyzed, overwhelmed by the sensation, embarrassed to have her boss's face buried in her ass. Her nipples rose. She felt goosebumps creep across her body. Her mouth watered. Peter pushed her forward and took one hand from her hip to stroke himself. He placed the flat of his thumb against her asshole and pressed gently, licking and pressing and drawing circles around her anal opening. Iz felt dizzy. Peter pressed deeper. Everything was wet. Iz opened. Peter extended his finger into her, turning it slowly, hooking it to press into her G-spot. Iz inhaled sharply. And that was an excerpt. Anyway, send me your smut, hoeintheknow at gmail.com. I love you guys so much. Stay safe. Stay beautiful. Keep on hoeing, okay? All right, well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. For all of your candor and everything. This has been so beautiful. I agree. Um, Where can we find you on social media? That's a good question. Flowers of Evil with two underscores in between the three words. So flowers underscore of underscore evil? Yes, but two underscores at a time. So it's flowers underscore underscore of underscore underscore evil. Awesome. So I will post that in the bio anywhere else we can find you or any events you want to plug? No, but I would love to plug my floral design business, Getting By Florals. Getting By Florals? Getting By. Yeah, like I'm getting by. Do you have a (laughs) .com? I don't have a .com, but I have an Instagram handle for that as well, which is getting by period florals. Perfect. Um, Nikki, you want to plug anything? Sure. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. I'm at N-I-M dot M-I-M. Cute. Try saying it out loud. Nimim. Nimim. My initials. And you can find my website. I'm Nikki-Murphy.com. Nikki, N-I-K-I. Beautiful. I am Selena Mostrupa. You can find me on Instagram at Pretty Boy Girl. You can support this project via Patreon at The Real Pretty Boy Girl. You can email us at hoeinthenow at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram at hoeinthenow as well. I think that's it. All right. Well, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of How in the Know. Have a wonderful day when you listen to this. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. More money. I want your money. I want more money. 